I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. It's time for episode number 369 of Video Games. So Hot nice. Dog. Nice. 300 nice. Nice, nice, nice. Triple nice. How have you gentlemen been? Nice. Good. It's warm as fuck in San Francisco. It's, it's, it's like not even hot. It's Jim pretty and I are normal sweating. here. We're sweating balls. How? No, sorry, we're tripping. We're tripping balls. Tripping, we're sweating yeah. buckets. Yeah. Oh, okay. Tripping bullets. Kicking buckets. What's what's the numerical temperature? Shitting bricks. Eighty degrees, riff. Wow. Shitting bricks. Tipping balls. Sweating bullets. It sucks. Yeah. That's awful. Tipping balls. Tipper yeah. gore. Well, the real problem is that there's no ventilation in this room by design there's literally there is, a there ton of ventilation vents there are six yeah, vents where, where the, well, where all well, the look where all the foam of them is off kilter. i know doing that. anything then because i don't feel any breeze at all well you're well, not supposed to feel it because if you could feel it you would also hear it so hmm. but what i said then <laughs> <laughs> could you hear that ventilation Yes, but I couldn't feel it because it was too far away. Okay, yeah, I was. Can venting. you cough in my face, Zach? I was sneezing, oh. not coughing. Oh, Ugh, don't sneeze? don't sneeze in my face. People can't tell the difference between my sneezes and coughs. That was very this cough is, sounding. That's a very specific disability you have. <laughs> yeah, it's like color blindness, but for other people. Can Kevin <laughs> tell the difference between your sneezes and your coughs? He no. can't tell the difference between my snezzes and my snizzes, but. Uh, <laughs> Luckily, neither of those are real things. What have you been up to, Riff? Um, I had a super good idea, I think, for a uh, board game, like board card game uh, to design based on uh, based on ideas I had based on the world of a manga that I was reading on the plane home. Okay. Uh, and so I have been, I have been buying a lot of weird old board games of a similar genre and type to do like rules research. Ooh, are you gonna make a magic realm? Uh, it is going to. It's it's uh it's more of a dungeon crawler. It's like a tile based dungeon crawler. So there, that's a that's a that's a fairly standard thing in board games. So uh, let's see. It would be more like. Uh, How many games are like that, though? Well, I mean, uh, um, betrayal is like that. Um, oh, so like the new yeah. Bloodborne board game. Yeah, the new the Bloodborne board 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 blood, game. Bloodborne garn barn. Game. Oh, the Bloodborne supremacy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I uh, I had not actually con- I had not actually sort of thought of betrayal as a dungeon crawl, but it totally is. A haunted house is a dungeon. Yeah. Yeah. It's a dungeon for ghosts. A mine is a dungeon for ore. Yeah. <laughs> and possibly orc. And rails. This room is a dungeon for styrofoam. I mean, isn't an office building <laughs> sort of a dungeon? Yeah, an office building is a, oh, yeah. is a business That's a dungeon. Du- <laughs> a business dungeon. <laughs> it's a dungeon for your soul, man. <laughs> it's a prison for your soul, man. It's a it's well, a hoosgow. It's a hoosgow for your spirit. Aren't dungeons originally prisons? It's a calaboose for idea? your aura. That's true. A, a, a calaboose? <laughs> yeah, a calaboose. What is that? Why? It's a jail. It's not the caboose. I've never heard that. Calaboose what? and calaboose are different things. When you spell jail with the G, is it pronounced differently? Gowl. Gowl? Yeah, I don't think so. I, uh, <laughs> But that, the... Uh, in the video game, the old uh, 
Infocom game bureaucracy, uh, they spell it that way. And that super confused me when I was a kid. Right. The Calaboose is not the last car on the Talarain. Yeah. Huh. Uh, the Oubliette. What's a, what's a Calabash? Is that a kind of melon? That's a kind it's of a programming language. <laughs> did you say a kind of taco? To ca- tobacco. I, I oh, did tobacco. say taco, okay. but I didn't just say but taco yeah. <laughs> because there was another. <laughs> I might be wrong about that. Calabash. It's, I think, it's I an think encoding right. by a character from uh, it's a leafy food the Tempest. From There's the a kind of tree, a gourd from the Calabash tree. Okay, oh, that does okay. not help dictionary. So that's that's the that's what I was thinking. Oh, it's oh, sorry. It's man. a kind of pipe. A calabash is a kind of pipe that is oh. made out of a knot from a calabash tree. Okay, gotcha. so that's why I thought of it as a tobacco yeah, thing. Yeah, same. I was thinking of Cavendish, which is a type of tobacco. Okay. Also, I'm glad we got that sorted dish. out. <laughs> uh, cool. So uh, you're making a dungeon realm, or are you just doing research about a dungeon realm? Well, uh, yeah, I have a big, I have a big file of my notes of, you know rules and brainstorms of possible items and the sorts of monsters and and things i don't want to go into too much detail about how it would work because this is going he doesn't want somebody to steal yes. his ideas someone might steal my golden ideas can you speak to the way that anime has influenced your game design um it is a without very, giving away your ideas yeah i mean it's it's uh I don't know if I'd say it's influenced the des- the the mechanical design. The theming is is certainly influenced by this particular manga, uh, although some other things as well. What like, is the uh, particular manga? Uh, the manga is called Doro Hey Doro. It is. And what's it about? It. it, met, it I don't it, know why I asked why it was called. I knew it was just going to be. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's kind Perhaps of like a listener will recognize it. Um, imagine if um, a, a, a grasshopper manufacturer um, and uh, David. What's that? Wait, a what? What? What is it? Only God can make a grasshopper. <laughs> grasshopper manufacturer. No, you know the video game well, the, guys. The, uh, the Pseudo fifty. Yeah, Pseudo fifty one. Dude, I was trying to think. Of, I couldn't think. Of his That's name. his company. Pseudo fifty one. Yeah. So Pseudo fifty one and grasshopper manufacturer get together with David Lynch. You still? I'm still lost. I'm sorry. Go back. Do you, are you not familiar with any of Pseudo fifty one's games? Because they're all what, kind of stylistic. No more the heroes and. Killer no more heroes 13. and Killer Seven and more, Killer most recently th- Let It Die. Golgo Seven. Did he make that one where the skull gun says "Taste my big boner"? Yes. Uh, yeah, okay. that's, that was one of his. So, I'm I, at, so I'm, I, I guess I'm vaguely aware of those games. I've never played any of them. Okay, isn't well, it like you you jerk off to shit and you shit to save or something? That's uh, like <laughs> the way that No More Heroes works. That's that. <laughs> I'll just say yes, sure. <laughs> that's how that's how improvisation works. <laughs> we found our episode title, <laughs> but it's sort of like Shadowrun as Rio, Doro. The, the the world of Doro Hey Doro is sort of like Shadowrun as reimagined by him and David Lynch. Is is my elevator pitch? Okay, sure. What have you been up to, Kevin? Uh, nothing. We saw some anime together. Yeah, it was exciting. Yeah, oh, we went to go did. see Akira. 
Nice. In the, theater. in the theater. Oh, Akira is super good in the theater. It is. It was great. I enjoyed it a lot. I've seen it four or five times, I think. I had only seen it once and only when I was like in, I don't know, I saw it when I was like 19. I didn't remember. I The only thing that I remembered about it was the like crazy flesh beast that Tetsuo turns into yeah. at the end. Um, it is weird. It is strangely paced, I feel, mm. for a movie. Really? I think... Yeah, it feels like a very alien, like, story. It's probably partly like the... because of it being uh, a, 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 from the manga that it's based on is much, much longer. Sure, but I, I mean... I don't feel it as being any differently paced than any other movie from the like 80s or 90s. Well, I guess maybe it only seemed that way. Like it seemed very modern in a lot of its sensibilities. Hmm. And I mean, I guess partly that's because like movie soundtracks now are retro in a way that Mm -hmm. like the soundtrack to Akira could have just been the soundtrack to Drive. But, you know, a modern movie like Drive from eight years ago or whenever the fuck that was. Right. Um. Retro is still current. Re- well, retro is always current, but it's always from 20 or 40 years ago. I don't know how right. long. There's like a 20-year cycle, right? When are we going to get back to that 50s nostalgia that we grew up with in the 80s? <laughs> and that's 30 years. Guys, retro. Is the retro window closing? That has to be like a think piece. Retro is getting more recent. Is everybody oh, excited about oh, yeah. Nirvana now again? Maybe. I mean, if, are you, if that it, was twenty years ago, shit. If it gets all the way up to the present, does it start over? And do we have no? To we start... just start to we start to like things from the future. From the, oh, okay. Well, that'd be good because then we can start doing like the crazy Jetsons outfits and stuff. Yeah, and thrift stores suits start... with rings on them and things. Things from the future start appearing in thrift stores, like, <laughs> I don't know, like a home stem cell cancer cure kit. Like, ah, nobody uses those anymore. <laughs> wow, that is that is both the, the most interesting and the least interesting take on time travel <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, it's kind of a boring Twilight Zone episode. Has anybody seen the new Twilight Zone? No, no. I'm excited about it, though. I've I've heard good things. Is it one of those things where you have to subscribe to some additional bullshit service to watch it, like with I everything else? I think it's else? on Netflix. I don't know Is that it? for Is certain. It? I thought it was on, like, the Star Trek network. <laughs> uh, CBS All That's, Access. The, yeah, uh, the, they just beam you the shows. <laughs> it plugs into your... Uh, to your, to your uh, uh, I can't think of the name of anything today. Urethra. <laughs> uh, that, that wasn't what I was going for, but yes, and. Oh, I feel bad for laughing at that. <laughs> uh, into your, are you thinking of the thing that Jordy wears? No, I'm thinking of the, the room that they stand in. The holodeck. Yes, the holodeck. Okay. Well, I mean, they also stand, they stand in the bridge more than they stand in the holodeck. That well, that's I said. probably true. The turbo lift. Netflix <laughs> seems to only have the original Twilight Zone and only four seasons. The ready huh. room. I wonder who it is. Yeah, then. they have like, like seasons one through three and then five or something like that. Was Didn't there, was there like almost music everything on that, season four that they couldn't get the license to? Yeah. <laughs> everything that was like, good about the Twilight Zone was in season one and two, basically. There are like, there are 
half a dozen standout episodes and the rest is kind of filler. Hmm. Of the entire series. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. There's a Burgess Meredith. Finally, there's time for me to read a book. Uh-huh. Right. And it's really only like 30 seconds or a minute of each episode that you really need. Yeah. To be like, where, oh, when that was a good idea. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like the Otherwise, end it's, is the interesting part. The number of times that there's that somebody is the devil and somebody is like having to either deal with or not deal with the devil is like significant. I feel like this is a a thing that Rod Serling maybe maybe Rod Serling had some sort of deal with the devil hmm. and was trying to tell everyone about it. <laughs> so that his deal was I can have a a a a TV series that will be remembered forever but only every fifth episode is any good right <laughs> have if it have we talked about and or has anyone else watched the oa no i've seen that no, what is no. it you've, watched, is you've seen the second season of it i i saw a couple episodes of the second season did you get to the point where it explains where the uh bruises on her arms come from no okay then you have not yet seen the second okay. season yeah, no i i um i remember leaving season one like real disappointed with the ending. Hmm. What um, is this show about? Uh, that is extremely difficult to explain. <laughs> well, so, I advise you to start by naming a video game developer that none of us know anything about. <laughs> <laughs> it is about a woman who has escaped from sort of capture where she was being held for several years by somebody who was studying near the afterlife near death experiences and had was positing that it is possible through a certain a, a set of ritual motions that you can travel to the afterlife. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Does it is it like modern day? Yes. yes. What is the OA? Uh, the original angel. That's the main it's protagonist. I see. But that that the fact that it stands for original angel I think is is revealed like maybe Halfway oh. through the first well, then season. Well, why did you tell me? It doesn't matter. It doesn't. It doesn't really impact anything to know. What does the OC stand for? The original Angel. <laughs> the the original County. The original Cherub. Yeah. Come on, guys. Okay. Good. Is there a scene in the OA where somebody gets shot and they play Imogen Heap's <laughs> hide and seek? There is a season scene where they get shot, uh, but then they don't play Imogen. Oh well, then that's not. That's I mean, not real TV. There's a lot of scenes of people getting shot where Imogen Heap's hide and seek does not play. Uh, I'm having uh, a hard time locating this new Twilight. Is it like not yet actually? No, I think visible? it's out and nobody cares about it, and it's on some service that nobody has. Uh, to, to finish my thought, though, like I, I thought, um, I came away from season one pretty disappointed, but season two is kind of bringing me back in. Like I've only seen a couple episodes though, so. It's hard to it's, hard to know. It, it takes some real hard turns and is super well, it already did, so it takes that's not that surprising, I oh guess. Oh my god. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. you got my attention. It's there's some really interesting shit that happens in there. <laughs> anyway, yeah, since we haven't all talked about it and I don't want to ruin it for anybody that hasn't seen it. Um it's yeah. It's it's weird and good. Akira was pretty good, though. Akira was also pretty good. It was good to be in the back in the Alamo Draft House. Have you not gone there recently? I haven't been as much. Huh. That was your, that was for a long time, for a year. Yeah, did you get to go to some sort of fancy party? No, they still haven't had it. 
They still mm. have not scheduled last year's top brass party. Really? Yeah. And have they mentioned that? No. Hmm. Maybe they don't do it anymore. Maybe we don't deserve a party. You should ask them about Maybe that. Maybe we don't deserve a party just for spending like... a bunch of money at one particular uh, establishment. <laughs> Maybe loyalty programs are a trick. Maybe loyalty programs are bullshit. Maybe capitalism is bullshit, Kevin. I can I can prove that it's not because I got my free coffee by getting five stamps at AM PM. Ooh. It's only five stamps? Yeah. So every sixth coffee is free? Yeah. Wow. Actually, I think it might be every fifth. I think it might, the fifth stamp might be the the free coffee. Gosh. I used to get a lot of free coffees at Dutch Bros. Yeah. Also, a lot of the times they would just give me my coffee without charging me for it, or they would give me a coffee and charge me for it and then stamp my card like five times. <laughs> kind of depended on how stoned they were. Uh-huh. <laughs> they were usually pretty stoned. Did they think you were stoned? Oh, probably. Yeah. I think when you're stoned, you think everybody's stoned, man. Oh, the Beatles were so stoned when they were writing this music, man, which that was probably actually true. But like, uh, man, uh, Antonin Scalia was so stoned when he <laughs> posted this opinion. I forget what it's called when a justice <laughs> says a thing. Opinions are, <laughs> opinion or dissent or the judgment? Yeah. The You don't know either. I don't. Why did you even start talking? The... Why are you so stoned, Kevin? I think they call it ruling. Mm. I think it is possible that they have branded this iteration of the Twilight Zone as Twilight Zone Season 3 because it's the third iteration of it, just to be bafflingly confusing. Oh, right. There was was another Twilight Zone in like the 80s. Well, no. Well, in the... Okay, maybe this is the fourth one because there's also one in the early 2000s. No, maybe... But it says season. Huh. Fuck, fuck, I don't know. Maybe. They should have called it Twilight Zone 2000. (laughs) <laughs> that's the way to make something modern it's true Twilight Zone Y2K what are you up to Jim? Um, I could talk about um, how my phone is in black and white what do you well, mean? I so Android has a developer option where you can it's, it's, it's intended for people who are testing like colorblind like, modes? Col- yeah colorblind mode huh. for like testing like does my app work with people with uh, I forget the names of any Deuteronopia. Thank you. Yes, uh, but like in addition to that, it also has like just straight monochrome. Even though like very very few colorblind people actually have monochrome vision, um, but it would test. It would tell you whether dogs could use your, <laughs> I, I or it could even, tell you whether you could use your app while dreaming. <laughs> right. Uh, and I put my phone in black and white because I like the idea of like that your phone was around in the fifties, like reducing. <laughs> Reducing like the the dopamine hit I get from mm. using from like pulling to refresh. Okay. Like if I'm on Instagram, it was like, hmm, yes, someone posted a selfie. So pulling it's... to refresh is what you call it. <laughs> it's wow. It's what my mom told me to call it. Hmm. <laughs> okay, gr- <laughs> you somehow made it grosser. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure if it's actually making me use my phone less. The only thing that would have been worse is if you had said mommy instead of mom. Wow. Oh, man. If only. If I could I could go back in we time. Could, yeah, we could edit it. <laughs> we, we can find this podcast episode in a, in a uh, thrift no, store. No, I, I, I think the conversation is good. I think it's good that I didn't, I, I'm not taking the, uh, the burden for that entire idea. <laughs> uh, so you 
are literally doing this in an effort to curtail your enjoyment like to make of me the use of the less. device. You could also, uh, what happens if you just break the screen with a hammer? Uh-huh. That might also r- reduce your in- uh, that dopamine would, hit. I mean, so, well, here's an alternate solution. I, I In my skateboarding research, I've discovered that they make transparent grip tape. Hmm. So you just use that as a screen protector so that every time you try and swipe on your phone, it'll make your finger, oh. finger hurt. Ooh, or get a, get a screen protector that's made of a microplane zester <laughs> so that every time you swipe, you lose a little bit of flesh. Or like uh, whatever the two-part compound that makes... Uh, white tipped matches work i feel like both of these solutions would also affect like my ability to see <laughs> even though it's translucent it would let light through but maybe not hmm. maybe not, not, not to unaltered. the fidelity you would need <laughs> yeah have you right. considered getting okay so they must make something that's like those pills they give to alcoholics that makes alcohol like suck <laughs> uh can you take a pill that makes twitter suck <laughs> i mean i don't wow. have to it's 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 just a placebo. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> the suck was in you all along. Hmm. Is that what your mom told you? <laughs> you? All you had to do was remove one of those ribs. Oh. <laughs> uh. oh, God. Who who was it? There, I saw on Twitter the other day, somebody made a joke about having one of their ribs removed so that it would be easier for them to suck Marilyn Manson's dick. <laughs> Which is one of the funniest That's things really that good. has ever been expressed. I'm sorry. Oh, boy. That's just the... See, Twitter's that's good. That's just the, the urban legend that keeps on giving. Yeah, Twitter is good. You limit your Twitter to just that. See, you... Like, the trouble is, you're on the, like, political scold side of that spectrum and we're on the it's your boy tarantula dick side of the (laughs) spectrum so we get to enjoy things (laughs) well is it time to start talking about fucking video games again Uh, I guess we could Riff you been playing any Uh, uh, come back to me I gotta think about that well uh, it just occurred to me that I hadn't uh... (laughs) I, I played a game that was suggested by a listener in the video games hot dog slack called 12 smith yeah uh it's on mobile and web uh and it's it's by the evergarden oh is it by the evergarden yeah interesting it's like a it was described as like a scaled down version of evergarden but it's not real i I didn't play evergarden so you would like it i probably would like it uh, I I played it for a little bit and then I came up with a strategy that's pretty solid for just pretty unstoppable beating it. So now you just have time. infinite scores. Well, it's not like I can make an infinitely high number. Uh, so the game is a twenty forty eight like I guess or a threes like in that you have a grid of spaces except for these are hexes and you are creating numbers on that space and you're trying to combine like numbers to make a number that is one yeah, you can increase two ones you can swipe two adjacent ones into a two in one spot and two adjacent yeah. twos into a three and your goal is to make a 12 your goal is to smith a 12 yeah would you compare this to like a triple town no see evergarden is very much like a triple town so this is like a game that people who made a thing like a triple town would make to try to make like a threes. Okay. It's like a threes. 
except you're moving individual tiles rather than just like applying gravity in a direction. Yeah. It doesn't shift the whole board. You're the like you've got there's very little pressure except for the fact that there is a sort of roving I don't ninja know what you'd bear. Call it. Yeah, a ninja Squ- bear. Squares squares become like targeted by a like rot. Yeah. <laughs> um that if a you don't rot. make a match near it, it will start to eat away at your numbers or make a solid block, block spaces that stop you from using them. Yeah. So it's like you can't just play the game according to that first set of rules because there wouldn't be any challenge there would be no reason not to just degenerate into a specific like basically guaranteed strategy so there's hazards that are introduced but i basically have a degenerate strategy that that makes it so that you can always win of course you have i've never even smithed (laughs) a 12 i play it over and over and i've never smithed anything higher than an 11 huh i'm only an 11 smith kevin uh yeah, uh, 12, 12 Smith is the name of that game. Uh, and then I spent a fair bit of time going back and playing Iconoclasts. Also something listeners recommended. Is that, was, that not, was that a listener well, assignment? It was, it was uh, it, it, in the chat. People have been talking about it. I see. Um, it came out on Switch at some point in the past, and I got it on the Switch, and it was which is just a, a platform that I'm just way more likely to spend some time with because I will play that for a couple hours every day when I get back home from the office or whatever and actually finished it um, and the narrative is actually pretty interesting I remember being kind of put off by it when we played it a while back yeah. if I remember right we all were by the first hour or so yeah and I just sort of stuck with it and once you get over that that sort of initial hump of being like, there's way too many characters, and I don't understand what they're talking about, and it seems overwrought, and you give just a, if you just invest a little bit of sort of a mental energy into it, the 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 plot is actually kind of interesting, and you know the name Iconoclasts is really just a bunch of is is very accurate, and it's it's a bunch of like sort of warring different ideologies that are based in sort of this sort of mythology that they that they both have and that that differs because they're of their interpretations of the like what has come before and then you as the protagonist get to interact sort of one-on-one with the basis of the mythology and it's it's very different and weird from what the sort of handed down history has been over, I'm guessing, like a thousand or two thousand years. So this is like you go get to go back in time and see Leibowitz on the way to the store with it's, his it's shopping not list and his toolbox. It's not quite like that. It's it's it doesn't doesn't involve any time travel. It's just sort of like a recurrence of a thing that came back a long t- that came a long time ago. Um the great star worm. You know, speaking of speaking of this, sorry to interrupt yeah, yeah. this story, but when I was taking Riff to the airport, Riff noticed a bumper sticker on a car in front of us that said, I feed the dragon at Miraloma Elementary School. <laughs> okay. What do you think that is all about? It's probably a pet bearded dragon. Like I to... feed it though. Yeah, well, you, not like, like I fed it. You you like don't maybe it's that person's job to feed the dragon every day. Like the and parent, they make the parents feed the 
That and they the printed bumper a sticker. bumper sticker as like your reward for this job. I would assume that they're that they're like school sports team is the dragons or something. Or is the dragon? That would be uh, kind of a cool name for a sports just a team. Sing- a singular yeah. dragon. Um, I kind of regret not naming my cat the Merovingian. That was one of the things that I was the Meowvingian. <laughs> uh. I mean, because like there's like the Utah Jazz. It's not the Utah Jazzes, right? <laughs> right. So you could be the dragon. You could be the what is there? What the Hydra the... would actually be really good because it's like oh yeah, oh yeah. You strike one of yeah. Us you foul down. you foul out yeah. one of our players and they're replaced <laughs> two by more two. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, well that would be such a good rule. <laughs> like, that, instead of getting free throws for a foul, you just get to keep adding more and more players to your team. <laughs> Uh, but it becomes harder not to foul because you yeah, have so because, many because you start getting like people who aren't very good at basketball just like constantly <laughs> getting in your way, and like it ends up just being like people from the crowd, like the, the guy selling hot dogs. The like, baskets have to be placed really high because at some point the the basketball <laughs> arena is just just like a little mound of bodies. Yeah. <laughs> It, like stepping on a guy probably is a foul, hey. right? So, oh, like, dang! Is there so a, just... is there a rule in basketball about piggyback rides? Hmm. Huh. <laughs> there might actually be a rule about. See, this is climbing why Pyro was such a disappointment. You couldn't piggyback on another. It didn't ex- really explore the ramifications of the basketball rule set the way we just did. <laughs> so you do you live up to your name in iconoclasts? Do you destroy? Uh, do you destroy some religious imagery? You definitely destroy some religious imagery. Yes. Is that? But do you kill a god? Kind of. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. It's like his dark materials all over again. Take that establishment. <laughs> it's like Final Fantasy Legends all over again. Uh, yeah. I, I y'all should should finish it and then we can talk about it. Or should we just watch your Let's Play sure. of Iconoclast? Kevin, do a Let's Play of Iconoclast. Uh, I, I would be interested to see a Let's Play that Kevin would do. I think it would be real. I, I don't know that I because I feel like I would only do it for a game that I hadn't played because I wouldn't have the sort of interest level to make it up of a game that I knew really well. And then it would just be me like pushing up, rubbing up against every wall. <laughs> <laughs> we like, should all do let's plays of West of Loathing. Oh, hmm. huh? Maybe we I'll should do a let's play of Glittermitten Grove. Okay, we should do let's. Well, we should the three of us do a let's play of West of Loathing like together, actually. Hmm. Okay. When is when are we going to make that happen? We should have done it last week. Yeah, we should have. Riff, I miss you already. Oh. You should I move you to too, San Francisco. I miss you your can, cat. You can live in the um you can live in the orange room. Oh no. No. You can visit the no. cat sometimes. <laughs> there is just like the hint the, the vaguest hint of still chemical aromas in this room. Well, yeah, uh, cuz there's I, six vents. I've been farting chemicals. <laughs> I see. That's all I've been playing. I played some of Mankind Divided finally. Wow, really? Yeah. I keep I I had been keeping it installed on my computer because I eventually wanted to play it and s- somehow like 
a combination of me eventually getting better at it to the point where I could actually like finish the tutorial on easy. Um, I had made it into Prague once before and then like got stuck on some main quest line. I still had to like, I feel like the way that that game presents the world in the beginning, when you're in town like that, I think of that as a place where you're not supposed to kill anyone or knock anyone out or do anything. But it's like this world is so fucked up that ev- like the bad guys look exactly like the good guys because everything is just like shades of gray video game morality bullshit. Mm-hmm. And so like, oh, I see. It turns out that there's just two ways to get into this place where you're supposed to go. And in both of them, it's like you can't come through here. I'm like, oh, OK. As a guy who follows the rules, I was like, well, I guess it's game over for me. But it's like, no, you just have to decide whether you want to murder some cops or whether you want to murder some gangsters. But I didn't know they were gangsters. I read a walkthrough that's like, there's an alley with some gangsters guarding it that you can disable to to get through here, too. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess those are gangsters. And so it's okay for me to punch them in the throats. The walkthrough just meant black people. No, they weren't black. They were like Eastern European dudes. Okay. Do you not like playing it as a stealth situation? There, I, I still don't understand. Like, if there is a way to do literally the first main quest objective without... Killing a dozen like, dudes? Like, disabling anybody without, like, doing any takedowns or killing anybody? I don't fucking understand it. Hmm. Like, can you go in the sewer and come up inside the inside the store area in the sewer? Because I went to the sewer and it was like, well, here's a million areas that I have no idea what anything is. And, like, all these hacking challenges that are clearly meant to be later in the game. And, like, a bunch of shit that I shouldn't fight. And, like, a bunch of, like, hazards I can't get around because I don't have my augs back yet. Like oh, you don't right. you don't have any of your powers until you solve this problem. And I finally like I was like I don't want to just get stuck in this baby zone again that I got stuck in the first time. Like I really want to know what I was supposed to have figured out to get through this. I don't remember the beginning of Mankind Divided at all. But it's like because there's the that you start sort of in the immediate middle of things where you're like on a mission, right? Yeah, you you go and do like a hotel, like there's a there's like a hotel that is half constructed like a policeman's beard, uh, and it it's shaped like a policeman's beard. <laughs> the, um, and there's like a sandstorm coming, and there's some arms exchange thing, and they explain who all the fucking people are, but I, who cares? And then some weird gold mask people arrive. Yeah, the gold mask people show up, and they kill... Everybody. They kill everybody, yeah, and you have to disable the helicopter. And on easy mode, you just run up to the helicopter, and there's like not a timer. It also feels like, now that I've unlocked the augs, everything is really, really cheap. And I think that might just be because I'm playing on easy mode. Like, it just sets the cost of all of your upgrades to, like, one Praxis. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's like, this rules. <laughs> like, I'm having a lot of fun playing this game on easy and just doing, like, random side quests and shit. Here's a question. Yeah. There is a there is a thing where there are two people who are, like, being oppressed by the government, and they're both, like, likable characters, and you can give them, like, fake IDs, and then you have to go, you have to sneak into the government office and activate their fake IDs, but then the credentials that you have for activating IDs are only allowed to activate one ID, and you just have to pick which one of those two people gets freedom. Like... There's no way to save both of them. Is that 
good art or is that bullshit? That's that's my question. Like, I I think that that is a crutch that game designers have leaned on real heavily in the past 10 years. And it's not interesting. It's not interesting design. Well, you make a decision, though. You either don't engage, in which case they both die, or you pick one. Oh, does the other one die? Everyone everyone dies if you don't do anything. right? Do like, you find out that they died? Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was. I just chose the younger one because that felt like a better... That's a totally like, reasonable choice. A more like utilitarian right? use of the... But it's like... I mean, in... Because, like, The Walking Dead Season 1 was, like, ground zero for this, right? And that was like, ah, oh, God, fuck. Which, like, it created fairly plausible situations, at least in my memory. It created pretty plausible situations where you were deciding who lives and who dies, who lives and who dies right? right? And also that's just, like, somebody dies, somebody lives, and they're still, like, there with you in your party. But then, like, very shortly after that, whatever plot machination happens that kills the other one right because there's oh, not huh. actually any choice as far as for the most part how the story works out in those games because there just can't be right like this is not a criticism of that it's like this game had to be made in finite time and exist yeah. in a in a finite in the mankind divided case you the person that you choose does survive and you could interact with them later they're not like a major plot point or anything um but you can definitely find them and talk to them so, like, I loved it in the Wolfenstein game because you get Jimi Hendrix in your base if you take the wrong guy, if you pick the wrong guy to survive. And for whatever reason, it felt like when you're in a room with two guys and you're deciding which one of them is going to survive, that felt like a more fair choice than, like, you've met these two people, neither of whom are, like, beef lord soldiers, right? There's no... There, there's no like the the calculus that you're doing about which one of these people should survive is just based on how you feel about them as people. Right. Because mm -hmm. at no point is there going to be like it's clearly presented in a way that there's going to be no game effect to doing this. Right. Like it's not like sure. how much like do, do I extract the atom from this little sister or do I get even more atom later for doing the right thing? Which is just like a. This is a different this feels like a different kind of chicken shit, but it still kind of felt like, ah, god damn it. Like I just wouldn't have started this quest if I had known that it was gonna end like this, because I don't You don't want to be responsible. Yeah, because I don't actually care, but like I would rather just not But I think you I would rather not care have a pretended to be bit, in this situation. Right? Like you care enough that this is like bothering you in some way. It's just I don't like I don't like having had the experience of being like it felt like an unearned instance of emotional manipulation. It, like it felt like I was being forced to make a difficult choice, not because the world created a situation where I had to make a difficult choice, but because an author manufactured yeah, a situation that's, where that's I had always to make a what it is it, it, anytime there's like I, a strict I, I, binary choice i know in real but, life like either like most likely you would be either, you'd be either able to save both or neither of them right and that kind of shit <laughs> just never happens right right in the real world 
unless someone is setting it up that way. How did you feel about the quest in Fallout 3 where you are trying to save some persecuted ghouls and they end up murdering everybody? If you save them? Yeah. But they murder everybody in Tenpenny Tower and the people in Tenpenny Tower are, are assholes. Okay. Right? Like, because I don't what, think I ever actually went into the tower. What the people in Tenpenny Tower want is to nuke Megaton. Like, the, that is like a plutocrat giving you a quest to nuke. Like, Tenpenny Tower is the evil. It's like the first right. quest hub that's for the, an evil playthrough. That's the thing that they always showed in the, the pre-release. Yeah, you pressing a button and, and you nuking the main quest hub of the video game. And the problem is that Tenpenny Tower was nowhere near as interesting a quest hub mechanically as Megaton was. And then, like, the slaver camp later is also not very good. Right. Like, they just didn't really support an evil playthrough and all of those. Pro- yeah, like, I didn't really care about that, like... I mean, it's like, all right, sure, these were also assholes, but none of them are real people. Maybe maybe because they did a good job of characterizing the woman and the, like, old man in Mankind Divided that you were given the choice between saving. And they just seem like, oh, these just seem like normal people minding their own business as opposed to, like, I mean, Fallout's characters are always like megalomaniacs. Like, it just like there's they're always like these kind of hyper real warlords or like avatars of some ideology. Like, there's no like every Fallout character is the fucking Bioshock Andrew Ryan, Mm. right? But just with some different philosophy and some different reason for, like, you to be uncomfortable about agreeing with them at all. And, like, that's just kind of their whole deal, especially especially. You mean, like, every every Fallout faction leader, not not every character. No, not every character, but, like, the fact, like, you're basically, like, there's the, right, there are no, you're just choosing between a bunch yeah. of genocides, and yeah. so it's all meaningless, mm-hmm. right? You're never, like, you can never actually, like, broker the kind of normal, boring peace that happens in the real world because, for the most part, people don't want to commit genocide. <laughs> they just want, like, food and water and to be left alone to, you know... To, to pull to refresh. To pull to refresh, yeah. I was trying to think of what... I was trying to think of what it was. I'm glad we were on the same page there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just... I Like, I picked one. I'm like, okay, I'm just not... Like, I don't like the way this choice is making me feel. But is that... Does that mean that they did a good job of making me feel uncomfortable? Right? And that means that it was successful as a work. Because that was what they wanted. That was yeah. what that was what the author of that situation wanted. I'm not convinced that making the audience feel bad means it's good art. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. But I mean that's because I just make pap. <laughs> I just make pap for twits. Uh-huh. <laughs> what a funny phrase. <laughs> pap for twits. I'm glad it entertains you. <laughs> pap I'm for just twits, doing what Zach. I do, Riff. Pap for twits. <laughs> uh what have you been playing jim so um i played some marginalia hero and then i know one that's, of us talked about this rabbit yeah the rabbit, yeah. yeah i downloaded that but i haven't okay. played it yet 
Yeah, and so the way it plays is it's like a rhythm game, but without any music. That sounds where, hard. where you're like there's a uh, there is a a circle and there is a sword traveling around the circle, and you have to tap on the circle when the sword goes over visible targets. Uh. Uh, and that's the combat. That's like that's how the combat plays out. Once you've tapped enough targets, you win the combat scenario, and you get to see your margin guy like you like whack a rabbit in a snail shell with a stick, <laughs> which is what the which is the good part of the game. Um, and it very quickly gets like the they do things like well, okay, now the targets are fading out, so you have to remember where they are. Or now the targets are wobbling, uh, or like they there there are some levels where like the target like your sword goes over the target and then the target dodges and you have to wait for the sword to go over the target again huh. and you just have to remember which targets do that. Uh, and I got to like I don't know I got to like level twenty five or so of this and and there's they actually tell you how far you are through the story. There are a hundred levels apparently. Huh. Um, I mean, story is also a yeah. Very... I don't know what actually happens when you hit the end. There's never anything. been any lore or they don't tell you like Except you don't have a name. There, or... there is a cool rabbit in a snail shell. Well, right. Yeah. But... Which is, I mean, I, some of the best lore I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of fun up until the point where it gets way too hard. And at that point, you're supposed to start using the stuff that you buy in the in the microtransaction store and they give you a bunch of it just through gameplay um so like you just have to start digging into that economy to make any progress because like i uh, you just hit 30 of these targets in a row with the crazy wobble on it it's just not fun it's not like reasonably humanly possible to do uh and i think it makes a interesting comparison because to uh there is this game is actually on itch as well you can just load it up in the even in a phone browser play the game on itch.io and this version does not have any microtransactions in it and it's also tuned much easier huh and i think that's like i i i think it makes a really interesting comparison because like i I blew past where i was without even trying where i was stuck without even trying in the uh in the web version um, and ended up getting to like level 50 or 60 before they started doing the, the wobble thing. Um, and it's, I, I think it's a really good example of how microtransactions destroy game design of like how they tuned this thing because they're trying to make a living. They tuned this thing to sell these little, uh, power-ups as opposed to it to be a fun game. I think the version that's on Itch is much more fun. Yeah, the version on Itch is the game that they wanted to make, and mm. the version that's on phones is not, like, the developer's fault. It's the mobile app ecosystem's fault. Right. Sort of. I mean, it, you know, somebody still pulled that trigger, but, like, I mean, they could have put it on the iOS store for a dollar and no one would have bought it. Right. But because it has to be free on iOS, they have to have some sort of perverse profit well, model. Well, I mean, they could have they could have given you the first ten levels for free, and then had a three dollar unlock or something like that. 
Yeah. Or just sell no ads. I tried to buy no ads on it, but something went wrong and it didn't end up going through. Hmm. And I was like, huh, well, I'm probably just going to delete it now. (laughs) So sorry, guys. I didn't give you three dollars. In fact, I think I even opted. I'm like, huh, there's like a no ads and then there's like a deluxe no ads. And the (laughs) no ads is $3. We removed the ads we already showed you from your mind. super no ads was $7. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? I would pay $7 for this if it was a PC game. Like, fucking whatever. It's $7. It's the price of seven cups of coffee in the 70s. Um, <laughs> it's the price of the seven cups of coffee my mom should not have had while she was pregnant, and that's why I'm such an anxious, nervous wreck. My mom never drank coffee. Uh, Except while she was pregnant with you. That's true, yeah. She heard she heard it was good. She started smoking because it helped, with the, it helped make the birth easier. <laughs> Because <laughs> you get a lower birth weight. Yeah, I've, I've heard that one. Yeah, fucks up lower birth rate. Fucks up your hoo ha less on the way out. That's the chief concern is not fucking up that hoo ha. Anyway, yeah, April and I always call Winston Pussy Destroyer. It's <laughs> good. You're in a. You're wow. in a. Those two sips of cocktail have <laughs> like have unleashed a different version of you. I like it. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I think you should start drinking. Like, I could definitely see you being, like, Hawaiian shirt party guy for a couple of... I I got a Hawaiian shirt for my birthday. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of... It's the uniform they issue when you turn 40. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I didn't spend the $8, after all. I don't... It was like... But you tried to, and that's what matters. Well, yeah, I tried to, but there was some, like, real serious problem where the the app got stuck in, like, a loop of, like, showing me the purchase confirmation screen. Oh. And then when I closed it, it would be locked up for another 10 seconds and then show the purchase confirmation screen Probably what it was was, like, the App Store was, like, super no ads. What does that mean? (laughs) Well, so it's, like, you get rid of ads, but then the super no ads is, like, and also you get all of the benefits of having watched the ads in the with ads version. Oh. Right? So, like, either there's just no ads. I think the no ads version, you could still opt into ads to get, like, double rewards. And the super no ads was, like, you just get the double rewards without having to opt into those ads. It's like both we don't show you the ads we force on you and we pretend that you watched all the ads we asked you to voluntarily watch even after you've paid for no ads. Which I was like, I don't really want to reward that, but I kind of want to reward that. Like, I, I, I want to be a data point that paying to avoid ads. Yeah, I, yeah. I do that pretty much every time it's an option. Even yeah. if a game is not very good, if there's like a $2 get rid of ads thing, yeah. I will buy it just because I'm, it's like donating $2 to like, yeah, I, I don't know. I pretty the, much the always, I buy it ads, as soon yeah. as I see it, like before I know if the game is any good. Yeah. Well, it's like buying a game. Yeah. So I went to the uh, Google Play premium column in the like the the, the premium charts, which is where they show the games that are for sale, uh, just to like see if I could uh, find some stuff that people were making that was for sale. Um, And a lot of it, unfortunately, is like, Games that are for sale but are discounted to zero dollars that they're trying to get you to install because they have wow. ads and microtransactions, which is so like, they're even just f- ruining the like 
yeah. the for sale section. Yeah, they're like uh, people who are deliberately trying to escape this, they get sucked in too. Um, but I found a game, I think it's called Toka Mystery House. Um, and I wasn't sure what it was by looking at it, but I paid like three bucks for it because it looked interesting. And it turns out to be... Like, so it turns out to be for kids. It turns out to be like, you know, do you remember when I talked about uh, the putt-putt games, about how it's an adventure game, but a lot of what you're doing is just kind of like clicking on the environment and a funny animation happens? Yeah. This game is just the funny animations. Like, you <laughs> are exploring a cartoony haunted house, and there are things to interact with, but a lot of the time is just like it wobbles a little bit. This sounds great. Uh, but you can like, you can like find recipes, and then you find a lab where you can make get, you can make the recipes in the lab, and then give the resulting goo to a monster that changes shape and color. This sounds pretty good, dude. Yeah, you know, I enjoyed playing with it for like half an hour. It sounds like bet... the old um, Cosmic Osmo game. It, or yeah, Manhole. Those yeah, old yeah, it, games. Just like kind of. Um, just meandering through this weird world yeah. and finding it's like cool a, stuff. Like, I still like, and I, I realized, I thought that when I was a kid and I always wanted to do these things and my parents didn't want to, that it was like, oh, it's because they're parents and they don't like things that are fun and they don't want to spend 50 cents on this or whatever. But now as an adult, I realize that I am the only fucking person in any group that I have ever gone to Disneyland with that has any interest in that shooting gallery in Adventureland <laughs> where you put in 50 cents and then you get 30 shots and there's just the little lit up targets in the big diorama that cause some servo to like make a owl flap its wings oh, yeah. or something. Man, but I, I would fucking totally love those that. things. That sounds yeah. great. There's one of those, they have those at like Bass Pro. And they're less interesting at Bass Pro. The one, the one at Disneyland is very like haunted Western kind of nice. thing. There's like a tombstones that you shoot and a skeleton pops up behind ah, it or whatever. Nice. Like, yeah, no, it's it's super fucking good. And that's just that, right? Like, this is just you touch a thing and some goofy animation plays. Except it's like, you know, some 1958 Imagineers like <laughs> side project. You know what would be good is some kind of, like, touch-capacitive rubber band so that you could have a shooting gallery on an iPad that you shoot these rubber bands at? <laughs> hmm. I think that would be better on, like, a big-screen TV. Hmm. Because an iPad, you can only cheat, right? Like... Like a light gun game wouldn't really work on an iPad because like you'd have to, by the time you put it far enough away that it was an interesting challenge to shoot anything, it would be, actually be too small at that distance. To, yeah, mm -hmm. that makes sense. So are there big screen TVs that are also touch screens? I don't know. There certainly shouldn't be, but there probably are. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Vertical. Not touch screen sucks. <laughs> really yeah. bad. That's true. Uh, and I played uh, um, Mr. Success. Nice. Oh, yeah, the new game by Hidden My Game That's by Mom. That's like several months old. I Is was it? surprised. Oh, I everyone... hadn't heard of it until. I hadn't heard of day. it until, yeah. Huh. Uh, and it's, it's, in the, it's in the vein of Hidden My Game by Mom in that 
you are presented with 30 scenarios and you have to figure out how to finish the scenarios and amusing things happen. Um, but it's pretty different in that, like, instead of them being presented like a, an adventure game puzzle where you're in a, in a place and you're trying to find a thing, it's, you are given the setup of a magic trick and you have to figure out how to swipe to make the magic trick go. Um, and a lot of it is real simple. Like some of them, I couldn't figure out how to fail. Mm -hmm. Like I remember restarting some of them just to figure out like, can I, can I make this trick not work? Um, but it, it, it does have some very funny jokes in it. Yeah. And the, the tricks get dumber and dumber. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> Yeah, um, and then I played um, Hidden My Game by Mom 3, which I didn't know was a thing. Like, I didn't know there was a third one of those. It's real yeah, good. Maybe I didn't either. There's there's also one that's like, Brother Stole My Yogurt. I did play that one. I thought that was the, yeah, I thought, also very good. Yep. What a good series of games. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm really into it. I was I was thinking about like I I, I made the connection between uh, the Hidden My Game by Mom series and McPixel. Oh yeah, yeah, it's just similar. It feels like they're they're I mean it, a very different like sense of humor yeah. and aesthetic, but like and McPixel is less like linear though, right? Like McPixel, I feel like is more about the like things that don't work being funny, which. Mm. Uh, the things that don't work in Hidden My Game by Mom are always just the same, like, bah! Oh, it's Mom. <laughs> yeah, like, but it's the same every time. Or, like, Grandpa's mad. Right. The the Hidden My Game by Mom 3 has, um, in addition to finishing all the stages, there's also Collect All the Moms, uh. where, like, every stage has a way for Mom to find you. Oh, so you have to, you're also incentivized to lose every stage. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, it was it was very good. And that's funny because I feel like whereas winning gets harder as you advance through the thing, probably losing gets harder as you go earlier <laughs> in the game because the early levels are going to be easier. Yeah, yeah. All the, the ones that I that I didn't fail were in the beginning. Yeah, a very good a very good series. And that developer makes a bunch of weird stuff that's not in that vein too. They like kind of arcadey stuff like sports games and stuff right like like well they made one that was um it's never like straight straightforward sports games that i saw it, it was things like um you have to you play the umpire at a baseball game and you have to make the right if you get penalized for making the wrong call mm. like the game just decides whether something is a ball or a foul i mean i think that's or, a sports game yeah, Doesn't it count is. Count as a sports game. It is yeah. for sure, but it's definitely like a with a kind of a inverted sensibility to what you usually see in a sports game. What if there was like a football game where you played the field, man? Well, I like Super Monkey Ball. Oh, no. Okay, it's arguable in a lot of games that when you're traversing left and right, that you're just moving the the platforms, right? <laughs> Jumping less so. Uh, Riff, have you have you figured out what you've been playing? Uh, I think the only video game I played other than the assignment was uh, Mr. Success, 
Um, oh, I took your game. I'm yeah. sorry. Well, that's I. I also played a solo round of the board game uh, Tales of the Arabian Nights, uh, huh. so we could talk about that. I, I feel like we've we haven't. I don't think we've talked about it before, but I know at least Zach and Kevin have played it before. Yeah, I, I feel like we've mentioned it in passing. It's it's an interesting concept. It would would work really well as a computer game. Yeah, it's so it's so cumbersome it in its execution. It is kind of wildly cum- it it's the most well so so the the outline for the listeners is it's uh you've you've basically got a map of locations that you're you're traveling around and it's all of course it's 1001 Arabian Nights themed. Uh, and you you start out with a quest that gives you some ideas of locations that you you want to get to 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 fulfill this quest, and you're moving around the the spaces on the board, and every time you move to a space, you draw an encounter card, and the encounter cards boil down to reading a a section in a, like a paragraph of text in this wildly thick binder of it's. There's got to be a, at least a hundred pages in there, um, to to see what happens, and you do a ch- skill check to see what the result is. But the way you find what paragraph you're going to is more elaborate than I've seen in any kind of choose your advent- own adventure thing ever. Because yeah, so there's like certain scenarios have certain verbs available to you as your choices, right? And they're not all the same, and so. You look at the scenario and it tells you which choice grid to look at to determine what your possible actions are. Yeah, it's like and, and, and then, even getting there takes a while because like if the card yeah. say say the card you pull is like a beggar. So there's there's it'll give you three numbers depending on whether you're encountering this be- this beggar in the morning or the afternoon or at night. And then those charts have a, have a list of adjectives for like, is this a friendly beggar or a disguised beggar or a mean beggar? And you roll dice to see which one of those you get. And then that gives you the chart to, to, that you reference to see, all right, this, this is a mean encounter. So you get to choose, do you want to aid or rob or hassle or attack? And and that gives you a paragraph number, but then you're also rolling an, another die that had two that it's uh, two sides are blank and two sides are plus and two sides are minus, and your result on that causes you to possibly add or subtract one from the paragraph number, so that's actually three pa- three possible results. So, so it's it's ridiculous. It's it's a and this is not the last time this will come up on this podcast. Uh, it is a game with extremely compelling narrative elements that would make it very broadly appealing, buried in extremely alienating mechanics. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's the kind of thing where, like, you know, if when I was dating somebody who was not into board games. I used to think a lot about like, all right, what board games can I try on this person who will like yell at me if I suggest a board game that seems too dorky or whatever. And so Arabian Nights was one that made me really bummed out because it was like, well, fuck, this is something that she would like. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I start talking about like 
this is your land movement and this is your sea movement, which is another fucking thing that they have in that game for no good reason at yeah. all. There's also all these like status effects that you can get, each of which are just individual cards. Like there's, you end up with 200 different stacks of cards in the thing. This, Greg Kostikian made this game. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. And it, <clears throat> the the ori- uh, the original version or the yeah the original like okay. like mid eighties yeah. mid eighties one like this was one of the earliest things that he published and like I fucking love the stuff that that guy yeah did. like he it's, was one of the main guys so, from Paranoia from Paranoia yeah and also made Tune him and Warren yeah. Spector made Tune the pen and paper like goofy right. cartoon role playing game which was like a huge influence on my career like do you know the, how it did commercially. Huh? Do you know how it did commercially? No idea. I mean, they had it like I bought copies of it at like the Walden Books in right. the town that I grew up in. So it wasn't like that much worse than than anything else. But like, it's weird because it has that like germ of like an extremely cool thing like I would expect Greg Costigan to make. Mm-hmm. And it feels like the further along he got, the less like bound up he was. Like the mechanics of Tune were pretty simple. The mechanics of the West End Star Wars RPG, which was the other big thing that he like yeah. was had had the main like byline on, which was it, it was just it was weird looking back and realizing, oh holy shit, all of the games that I actually got really into in high school were all pen and paper role playing games that were made by the same guy. Hmm. I should pay attention to this guy and follow what this guy has done. Um, but yeah, this one it's it, like it's such a it doesn't the things that are good about Tales of the Arabian Nights are just constantly cockblocked by the things that make it a board game. Mm. If if it were made, if if they did like a a reprint of it today, that book would definitely be an app, and that <laughs> would make it so good. Like I, I don't think know. that's I mean, all that, you would need. Basically. I think at that point it might as well be a computer game. Like I think that there is. There is a there is a version of it that is still entirely a physical game. That's I don't know. Yep. What was your experience of playing it solo? Were you were you having to play multiple characters? No, I played a, a single character. The solo rules are it gives you um so the 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 usual win condition when you're playing with multiple people is that you divide 20 points between destiny and story and different paragraphs d- results that you get add or subtract different points from destiny or story hmm. uh, and so you you have you have uh, like point tokens that you have assigned secretly to your story goal and your destiny goal and you're trying to meet both of those to win uh in the uh solo game uh, you you still have that. You're although obviously because it's just you, it doesn't. It's not a secret. Um, you're trying to get that, and you're trying to fulfill at least two quests, and you're trying to get uh up to fantastically wealthy. And I I feel like it. Oh, and I think you have to do it. The rules were not super clear, but I think you have to do it within like before you've gotten all the way through the events deck once. So there's a there's like a time limit. But by the time I got sick of playing, I had doubled both my story cuz I I'd, I'd said I'd started with like Destiny 10, Story 10 as my goal. 
I'd gotten both of them to 20, which is as far as the track goes on the board. And I'd done like six quests, but still was unable to get all the way up to fantastically wealthy. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how good the balance on that is. But uh, it it was fine. It was as as a multi multiplayer game. There's not a very much player interaction at all. I I feel like the good part of playing it multiplayer is that you get to laugh at the other person's story. Yeah, exactly. That, that and I mean evolved. that's also, but that's also like just the good part of the game, right? Yeah. Like the the things that happen to you that are negative in terms of game state are often are funnier and yeah. better. Yeah stories than than the things were oh i found another treasure huh cool but yeah the story stuff in it is pretty great but it, yeah it's just so cumbersome to play do you have a sense of how much of it's actually based on a thousand one arabian nights and how much of it is just like content originally created i i couldn't say the the one playthrough i've done i did not recognize any particular stories but uh it's been ages i, I and bet ages since that we I only know the greatest hits of well i have i have read the 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 well a translation of the original but listen you haven't heard it, it until scheherazade herself has told you <laughs> each night in the original klingon is <laughs> <laughs> actually i was i was thinking about this earlier i forget and what and what was said earlier in this podcast that made me think of it, but uh, instead of giving me the sex talk, uh, my my parents, my mother gave me a pamphlet from the hospital she worked at, and my dad loaned me his copy of A Thousand and One Arabian Nights. <laughs> oh, as a human being, not in the game. Yes. Okay. Huh. So, to you, sex is you deciding not to murder a woman as long as she entertains you with stories every night. Yeah, or like you you meet who you think is a beautiful woman, but it turns out to be a, a genie disguised as a hag or something. Okay. They give you three wishes and your first wish accidentally causes your dick to grow so big your brain explodes. <laughs> I don't exactly remember the details of these stories. This is a rowdy show. <laughs> it's the heat. I blame the heat. Shall we talk about? Uh, shall we talk about <clears throat> our assignment, Sunless Skies? Yeah, the space locomotive game. I think we'd better. It's really good. I, I like it a lot more than the mm. first one, actually. Uh, Kevin and Kevin. So we all had we all we were talking about our experiences with this game on the way to dinner, and I I put about I had started it a bunch of times and thought I'm going to come back to this. And then doing it as the assignment was like the first time I like really like dug into it. And I, the only thing that I was trying to do for my two or two and a half hours of play was to finish the first quest that you're given. Mm -hmm. Which one, which uh, one is that? When you get to New Winchester, which is, well, it's, it's sort of. Is it procedurally generated? It's nonlinear. It's been the same every time. I, I started over a couple of times. I ended up switching it. Like I knew I didn't want to play in permadeath mode because like. Yeah. I'm not fucking crazy. Yeah, I do I, not I understand why this game even has. <laughs> and I, I finally did. I like after I got blown up the first couple of times and saw how far back the autosave took you, even on merciful mode. I was like, eh, I'm also going to turn all the combat options way down. Also, like I do not understand how if you didn't have 
the resource consumption set to the easiest possible oh, version. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand how you would be able to do anything. Do anything ever. I was I was nearly out of resources when I finally got blown up by pirates and had had basically zero chance to refuel or or restock anywhere. Yeah, cuz you can only do it in like the most major places and they're pretty far apart and you don't know where they are at first. And you don't right. have enough currency to do it unless you happen to have picked up something that yeah. somebody so, wants yeah. to I, buy. I'm trying to figure out like I loved Sunless Sea and I'm trying to figure out what the difference was and my memory is so hazy that I, I think like my best guess right now is that I just lucked into a, a uh, good storyline or well, well a I, good I lucked into like a character that like uh, I had enough luck in the beginning game that I had a sustainable character. Hmm is my guess and I did not do that here like I spent two hours like you Zach just trying to do one quest and failing the whole time yeah I never found the place like so mine was like take the clock the clock repair lady mm -hmm. to Port Prosper and I just it was like it's northwest of Winchester and I explored almost the entirety of the north northwest quadrant of the map and just never found it like I also there was also the like bizarre quest to like buy three seeds and take them to this place yeah, that needs seeds. That was the one I was and I never found the place where seeds were cheap. I eventually found the place where seeds were for sale at all. I found a different place where seeds were for sale at all. Went back again after like doing a running around just like killing a bunch of pirates for a long time trying to like earn money, but like not really. Like I eventually turned in my port reports to get enough money to buy a mining drill, which then never paid off. Uh but I also had enough to buy the three flowers, the seeds to take to the to the hospital or whatever. And my my final act today of trying to play the game was like I left the port, realized I, oh, I only have a sliver of health. I'll go back and repair. Oh, you can't repair at this port. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll try to avoid enemies all the way, like a quarter of the way across the map to get to the, the thing where this quest needs to be turned in. And, like, I nearly got there, but I paused to, like, loot a wreck, and I looted the wreck, and then when I was done looting the wreck, I just accidentally bumped into it, oh, and it no. destroyed my oh. last little bit of last little bit of hull, and I was like, oh. fuck, and just alt f forward. Like, because I knew, because it just it reloads you back at the last time you were at a port. Yeah. Wow. Like, it, it feels pretty clear, like, the non-permadeath mode was not supposed to... Was not part of the It was not design. part of the original design yeah. of the game. Um, I think mostly they, they were coming at it, and, I mean, partly this is from, like, talking to them when they were just starting working on it. They were like, yeah, the ship is going to be way faster. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so it... It might have moved faster, but it felt like the the places were farther apart. Yeah, like I I feel like I was going further in this game, more time spending it's more time without because it's seeing anything. Labyrinthine, like right, it's not like Sunless Sea was a bunch of open space with a bunch of individual things in it, and like if you were trying to get to a map point that you had, you could just go straight to it. Yeah, and it wasn't like in a maze. And this one is that more might... interesting as it's the geometry of it is more interesting than just like except that you, that most of the feature, that most of the like 
obstacles don't have anything on them, so you're just or sort of... Or they'll have a thing that you can't interact with. You get experience for, for finding it. You Okay, I would argue that by seeing the art and reading the name and imagining what's going on there, you're interacting with it in the way that this game wants you to and is very good at, actually. That's like, fair. I will absolutely defend the, con- the content density of the game. Really? Yeah, but not the pacing of it. I don't think. Well, but okay. I I fucking love the text that just pops up in the in the sky as you're Yeah, that's that's good. Past. That is so good. Sure. Like that that style is at its most evocative and most effective when it is doled out a tweet at a time the way that Echo Bazaar mm-hmm. was right. originally. It all of the other elements of this game that are direct descendants of the kind of story nexus and fallen London thing just serve to make it kind of confusing and bad though. I think like you have your inventory contains both like stories that you've heard and also like the threshold below which operating your ship becomes dangerous. I feel like that's like they make that thematic. Like one of the things that they talk about in this game is the concept of, time as something that's mined out of the ground yeah. and you want to build up a bunch of have a big savings of time for when you retire well once it becomes once time is a commodity it makes sense that the game would not respect your time right. <laughs> oh, zing. Uh, that's not i ah man there are so many things that i like about this the theming is fantastic, yeah. and the little bit of writing that I got to see was was good, but I just wanted to see more story, and I felt like the game was getting in my way at every possible opportunity. Yeah. It definitely it, needs I, a better, like, autosave. The economy say. feels... The economy feels so punitive, even on easy... Yeah. ...that I don't... It, like... This game is so much like Star Control 2, which is probably my favorite video game, right? Yeah. Except that it's no longer 1992 and you have... Star Control 2 still plays okay now. And they honestly. were way more generous with places they... to go and just grind up if, resources. Right. It, and so... you could save and check out a system and if you didn't like it, you could... Restore. So what? What? What didn't happen in Star Control Two is somebody was like, "Hey, take me to Zeta Procyon Three, and you said, "Okay, where is it?" And they said, "I don't know." Right. (laughs) Well, and the weird thing is, like, the the characters in the game that when they tell you, like, this place has seeds that are available for cheap, this place wants seeds. These are clearly documented places. There's like in the game world, you would expect there to be a map. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't want to get like I don't want to criticize this for not adhering to the realism of a world in which you would be able to just look at a map, right? Because it's like, well, okay, it's space, I guess, but like plants can't grow in a vacuum. Like what the fuck is happening? like well, the, the giant so flower or whatever. If they don't want you to think about how dumb it is, they shouldn't give you so much time to between <laughs> <laughs> the it is like it feels like it would be well served by giving you any distant point of reference for you to go towards and then let you discover stuff on the way there, yeah. which is how open world games typically work. have typically worked, yeah. right? And there's, I, I think that there is a spectrum between mystery and satisfying player agency 
And Sunless Seas set a tone of, like, needle pegged all the way at mystery. And player agency It's like, you know, one of the things that we like about Dark Souls is that it doesn't have a map and it doesn't give you a bunch of fucking icons to collect and it the world yeah. doesn't care about you. So why don't we like that about this? I think if you just sit in one place in Dark Souls, you will not eventually just die. <laughs> right? Like, well, if you're yeah, playing online, the, you will. Dark Souls uh, isn't a permadeath thing. Like, that's also true. I, so I, I do feel like a lot of my reaction to this is just that I have a lot less free time now than I had in 1994, rather, wow, 2014. Jeez. Um, <laughs> Which I think is when Sunless Sea came out and when mm. I played it. And like, I, I I kept thinking this week, like, I should go back to Sunless Skies, put, try to give it another go. Or like, I loved Sunless Sea, I could give that another go. And in both cases, I was just like, I, I don't have 50 hours. Mm. Like, I don't have the time to play a game that's not going to meet me halfway. And that goes for a game like Dark Souls 2. I don't think I would start one of those now. I am going to go back to this because, I don't know, my save might actually just be fucked. Like, well, the fact that I am really far away from anywhere that I can repair my hull with one hit point of well, hull. I, I, did you, like, if I, were my, to, if I were to replay this, I wouldn't be loading my save. I would be starting a new character. Did you, with, did like, you get what as far as, the, as unlocking the, the bank vault, Zach? Yes. Then what you... What I would advise is to dump everything you own into the bank vault and then suicide your boat and then huh. start a new character. S start a new captain. Yeah. And do you, and, and but you don't have, you don't have any stuff. of the, are you in the same world? Do you keep your, do you keep the. Oh, uh, I don't know if map. you, I, I have not tried this, so I don't know if you keep your map. I know, I know you keep your bank vault and I don't know if you keep your quests. I think it's... But it would I, be more than nothing. Is it proc gen at all? I have no idea. Like, you get events that pop up. Like, things will be there that weren't there yeah. before when you're going through. Which is nice, honestly. Yeah. Like, having random encounters that are, like, actual things that pop up and exist on the map. Like, all of that stuff is really, really cool. Yep. Yeah. Like, every, every instance of the game allowing you to play the game is really cool. And all of the instances of, like... Nope, your shit's out of gas. Where it's like fucking Sun thanks, No Man's Sky. Sunless Sea had like, some per proc gen, but it was so perfunctory that it wouldn't surprise me if they just let it go. Yeah, because it didn't. It didn't really matter. It like, didn't, and didn't didn't really add anything. And neither did the permadeath. I mean, I know it's like, like, you know, I'm not gonna begrudge. Alexis Kennedy making a game in which he works out his feelings about his dad having like died at sea, mm. right? Like, whatever, dude. And like, Cult of Simulator, that is clearly fucking great for the people who like it. But you know what? Like, I like that dude, but the games that that dude makes are not for me. And I was kind of excited about like, man, what if they took the stuff that I liked about the tone that he set? And made a game that was more approachable in it. And it's like they got it's it's like it's like me wishing that uh, that Fantasy Flight would make a like 
simpler version of Arkham Horror, which they're just going to keep making one that's 98% as complicated as the previous one. Well, have, and so have, you seen, asim- have you seen, incidentally, the new version of that? It seems like no. it might be simpler, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Is it enough simpler? How many decks of cards are next to the board? I, I don't know, but the, the board is modular now, so the city layout isn't always the same. Hmm. So does it is it a situation where you have to lay it all out in advance, or does it lay out I think like a, I, I, while you play. I have not played it. I've I've seen a picture of the components is what I, I know about it. The one they made with the whole world, which I think was Eldritch Horror, I think was so. simpler, yeah. but not simpler enough. And like Mansions of Madness, the one with the app that ran the thing, simpler, but not simple enough. Like it still took us like four hours to play a game of it, which is like, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> I want to deliver those fucking seeds to that fucking hospital, and I want to take this asshole to the place that they paid me to take them to, but I just don't know where it is, and it takes forever to find it, and I'm... You could look and see if there's a map online. My worry is that it is just proc gen enough that there can't be a map online. Yeah, Yeah, very possible. The other option is that maybe north isn't up and South isn't down. That would explain a no, lot. It, it is. Or at least is on, my, on my playthrough, it is. Because that, that would explain why well, I wasn't the, finding the only what I... The gen thing is what North means. Ah, Jesus. Oh, what a good... Uh. That's a good idea. Ugh. <laughs> what if this game was 3D? Ugh. What if this game was like the 3D sequel to Strange Adventures in Infinite Space that was unplayable because it was in 3D? What if it was like Prey, where it was like a first-person shooter, but... Like the original Prey or like Prey 2017? Prey 2017. 2016? I don't know. One of those two. And you wandered around in space, going from spaceship to spaceship, being afraid of aliens. But with a horror theme. It's some sort of weird horror theme. I, I fucking love that. I love... That this game is basically like flying a train around uh, modern D&D maps. Hmm, okay. Which sure. are so fucking nice looking. Yeah. Man, oh, that oh, was... Man. I, I tweeted about this. My, previously, like, my my impression of Sunless Skies uh, before I started playing it was that it was basically just Sunless Seas again, but, you know, in space. And I... And... I found Sunless Seas, like, like I love all the world building and, and, and writing and the surrealism and stuff, but that game was too oppressive for me and, and, all, and too difficult. And so, like, I was halfway on board with the, the variety of difficulty settings you could make. And then just seeing that instead of it being, like, a flying boat, it was a steam locomotive. I was like, all right, that's all I need. I'm in. That was awesome. Yeah, very evocative. Zach, do you remember how last, when we played Sunless Sea, you and I just spent the next six months talking about Fallen London on the podcast? Oh, did we get back into it? I think I think we both did, yeah. After that, yeah. You want to just do that again? Get back into Fallen London? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't take very long. Yeah. Right? You spend like, te- like that was, that, that game so successfully did what I wanted to do with Kingdom of Loathing, which was like make a thing that you could just play in like 
an MMO that you could play in like 15 minutes a day. Yeah. What was except? Oh, go Fallen on. is not like really an MMO. There's no right. player economy because of because of reasons. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's there's bugging players to help you when your nightmares get too bad and stuff like that. I guess that's true. Although it seems like I, as I recall, they kind of eased off on that requirement too. Hmm. That's good. I mean, it used to be that you couldn't get like you'd get extra energy by tweeting. That was the reason I made a Twitter account. Oh, weird! Is because you had to prove that you had tweeted a thing from the game. Like it was built to be, it was built to expand via social media. Yeah, using Twitter, I remember. Which was a brand new platform. Like initially, at least, you the only way you could log in was through Twitter. Yeah, that was a weird choice. I mean, I think it was an economic choice. Like not like not wanting to pay a programmer to build a login screen? I, no, it was... It, it, Ensuring that you had a social media account. To, yeah, uh, I see. Like, yeah. because to, it was... To spread the word, to evangelize. I... So are your first tweets on that account, are they all about... Are they all like auto-tweets from Fallen London? I have gone back and deleted them. Okay. But they were. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I multiple times have subscribed to Fall in London and it doesn't stick. Like it for whatever reason their billing like just stops happening. Huh. If you don't log in or something. Yeah. And it's like I felt guilty. Like people kept begging us to add subscriptions to KOL. And I would say on the podcast, I'm like, look, I just don't like the idea of like people subscribing to KOL and then forgetting about it and continuing to give us money forever. And people kept saying, I want I don't want to play KOL. I just want to keep giving you money. I want to sign up for this thing where I forget that I'm giving you $10 a month for the rest of the time that KOL exists. Please let me do that. I'm like, fuck, okay. I want that with it's Fall true. in London. Like, I want to give Fall in London 8 bucks a month or whatever it costs to get their all of their premium content. And I don't know that I'm going to have time to go play the premium content. But for whatever reason, like, the account just keeps, like, fucking turning itself off. Like, every time I go back, I'm like, Wait, fuck, I thought I was subscribed to this. Why is it not billing me? And I have no idea why. Maybe they're just extra generous. Maybe they're British, so they want to be polite. Oh, I assume that if this person hasn't logged in in a month, we should stop billing them. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Straight up might be something like that. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it might be them there might being be laws. nice. Or, yeah, it might be regulation. Yeah. Well, anyway, what's our next assignment, fellers? It is a... Uh... We're, a video game. Oh, we're finally game. doing a backer suggestion. We got hung up on the last two backer suggestions yeah. from the last round being games that were so long that we didn't want to play them. Uh, but we're not going to be recording next week, so we're, we have a two-week window to play a game. So we are playing Tales from the Borderlands. Oh, okay. The Telltale cool. game yeah. that Crunch made possible. I've been, Yay, uh, Crunch. I've been sitting on a copy of that for ages and have well right because we so. bought it because it was a reader suggestion oh I wondered why you look taller <laughs> oh <laughs> what was your what was your funny joke from yesterday Zach I, uh, look I don't need to brag to <laughs> I don't need to brag to all of our listeners about okay funny. Uh, come on if I look if I if this podcast just became a list of all of the funny jokes that I had made in the week since the previous podcast, we'd be here all week. <laughs> you should tell us some jokes, funny jokes that you made last podcast, Zach. I don't remember any of them. Me either. They must not have been that good. You you think that the quality of joke that you make improves its like memory value? Oh, I don't know. 
<laughs> yes, and. Gentlemen, I've had a fantastic time recording episode number 369. Nice. The video game's hot dog with you. And I hope we do it again real soon. The big 370. Oh, I thought it was going to be 36912 was our next episode. But no, that's not and how listeners, numbers work. I hope you'll join us in spite of Kevin's math nerd horse shit. <laughs> you might as well. Cockaboo-boo-balaya. Good night. Have a great week, everybody. Tap for twits.